News Talk 98.9, the roar of Memphis. Tool Talk Radio with Joe and Alan. Welcome to Tool Talk Radio, coming to you from the Brown Refrigeration Studios. I'm Joe Thorderson with Thor's Hammer, Carpentry and Wood Turning. And I'm Alan Gilbreth with DarkOakMedia.com. And I'm Maximilian, wishing a belated happy birthday to our nerdy buddy, Diego Luna. Oh, right, wait a minute. Man. Andor himself, right? Andor himself. How old is he? I'm, uh, I believe he's 43. 43? Huh. I thought he was younger than that. So, folks, if you uh, if you have not seen the, the Disney Plus miniseries um, Andor, mm. it is it is hands down the best. I mean, it's the best written story. I mean, best written, best acted. It's it's kind of more of an adult Star Wars, but it is outstanding. I think it's going to be winning some awards this year. Well, you know, the the great thing is if you took the Star Wars aspect out of it, mm-hmm. you still had an amazing drama. It is, folks. We really can't, stands yeah. on its own beautifully. It is so happy birthday, and he did, and he nailed it. He knocked it out of the park. There and it's go. December 29th, the birthday of somebody else. I'd like to salute, but I'm not going to say. Oh, that's a T. Yes, put a pin in that, Max, because I know exactly who you're talking about. So, well, Alan, uh, anything interesting happened to you this weekend? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I don't no. know, Joe. We had winter Mageddon this week. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so for w- those of you listening to us out of, outside of the Memphis area, we all got hammered. Today's a good day to chime in on the Big M Roofing and Remodeling Hotline oh, at 901 683 And we especially invite you to send pictures because uh, oh, yes. I guarantee there's photo evidence of uh, this was a Christmas to remember. I know Oof. that. Who hit who with a hammer? Right. Yeah. It's like, I mean, the, it's it's going to be... Where did that come from? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, he said that we got hammered, so... We oh, did. Okay. We, everybody. Yeah. So, check that out. I think today we need to all commiserate over here on oh Tool Talk gosh. Radio. Yeah. We've got I don't need list, to commiserate. Alan. I just want to watch you all languish. Okay. <laughs> we've all we've all been affected. Our buddy Brandon Olmstead was. You were. Oh, I was. Wow. We, I, you know, we'll get to that. I spent... This was a Christmas I will never forget. So if you're if you're in the same boat, folks, uh, give us a call at the Big M Roofing and Remodeling Hotline. Uh, call or text us at 901-683-0989. And we have sort of a humorous must-have items of the week this week, Alan. I posted the I've already posted it on Tool Talk Radio on Facebook. You can check that out. It's um it's sort of a combo pack. Yes. And it's all inspired by uh Ice Mageddon. What are you we I don't see I called you, it Winter Mageddon. Winter Mageddon. Yeah. yeah. We we had the we didn't get the blizzard. We right. got the just bone chilling cold. Uh below us got all kinds of crazy water events. Right. Huge storms. To the east of us got massive snowfalls, and heaven help Buffalo, New York. I mean, they, Canada? What was Canada, like 34 they, they just, below? Yeah, they just got snow. buried. Yeah. Uh, it's just amazing. Buffalo. But that's gets, every day in Canada. Yeah, I was gonna say, Canada and Buffalo, they just, they, now, Buffalo you took a pretty to good there. beating. Um, yeah. my, one of my favorite pictures was the restaurant by the lake. They got turned in basically a giant ice sculpture. <laughs> It's just so. like, all right, it's a beautiful picture. Man, I feel yeah. sorry for that building. Oh, well, my gosh. In, 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 with that in mind, it, it, there's no doubt that Alan's Week in Review is going to be, uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be related to uh, Ice Maget or Cold Maget, whatever we're going we, to. We need a, we need a catchphrase for this one. Yeah, but, I'm going to call it Winter Mageddon because Winter it Mageddon. delivered okay. one of everything. Okay, so we've got that. Um, we've and I've got a thirty years of stupid related to the plumbing in my house. Oh yeah, which, uh, easily. And and if you <laughs> if you follow my uh, my own personal Facebook, you'll see my thoughts about 
the plumber who whoever <laughs> that was that did the plumbing in my house. Alan, um, the, like I said, we have our must-have item of the week. Um, to to shift gears a little and and throw mm. something on there that's that maybe puts us in mind of warm temperatures and beauty and the and the uh, the you know the uh, clever design and the beauty of nature. For our great moments in building history today, we're going to talk about the Grand Canyon Skywalk over in northern Arizona. It's a very interesting project. You know, at first blush, you're like, oh, okay, that, that looks interesting. Until you learn the engineering that went into this, the mm. geological work that went into it. There's, there's, a, it's a pretty, um, it's a, it's a pretty all-encompassing project. And also, and then when somebody goes, oh yeah, and by the way, it's glass. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's when you go, not going, not gonna walk on. But that, the, no. uh, it's a pretty interesting, uh, it's a pretty interesting, um, great moments in building history. And it really deserves it because it's very well constructed and it's an interesting, an interesting piece of architecture. So, but um, uh, we've got a couple things to get to, Max. Before we get to, uh, uh, I think you and I are going to tag team a little. You've got something that uh, a shout out is that right? Uh, somebody celebrating a birthday today, or just celebrated a birthday? Yes, I'm a, a belated happy birthday to our good old buddy Flossie, the world's <laughs> oldest cat, turned 27 th- this week. <laughs> You've been uh, you really... know, that's pretty impressive. You, 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 any way you slice that, that's pretty impressive. Do we still do the cat ears thing? Is that is it still basically It's about 120 years. years. Wow. So what's what's Flossie, uh, how how did Flossie celebrate? <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> Opened its eyes. It, it, it wasn't chasing nothing, that's for sure. Okay, Flossie's uh, a female cat, right? I believe so. But the oldest one, the, she's the oldest living, the oldest cat in recorded history is a cat named Cream Puff, and I believe she lived to be 38. Okay. Wow. 38. I don't know. Do you want your cat to go 38? <laughs> how's how's old Flossie looking today, Max? I She's mean, actually she, looking pretty good, all things considered. Where where is she? Where, I'm a England. Of course. Of course. What is it about the 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 the, the British just know how to endure, don't they? So. It's you know, they, they got dogs that live to be 40. They got cats that live to be 40. They got they're doing something okay over there. What can I say? Okay. Wow. Well, Flossie, we salute you here, and uh, may you know, may you live another twenty-seven years. Hey, I don't know. I, okay. <laughs> Flossie's been getting a lot of mileage on this station. Were you talking about this the other? Haven't basically every show here has been talking about Flossie, right? To some degree, even on the Nation of Jake a while back, because uh, <laughs> Jake has like a cat. Uh, he calls it the cat that lives in his house, not his cat. Right. And so the cat that lives in his house is 20 years old. So it's like, all right, you got to breed a champion now. Wait a minute. <laughs> Once he's Flossie's been dethroned. He's got a 20-year-old cat? I believe so. Well, you know what he's going for. I mean, because I will give Jake this. He's all about self-promotion. And... Uh, <laughs> If he suddenly becomes, if Flossie, I hate to say it, when Flossie goes across the Rainbow Bridge, yeah, um, who's next? I wonder who's next in line. Jake may start the line of succession. <laughs> he may be up there getting some international. Could you imagine the the nation of Jake getting international coverage for his cat? I mean, I don't know, man. Okay, well, Flossie, uh, it long, could happen. Long live Flossie. Okay, hey, I got a question that is totally unreal. I, I guess I'm I'm sort of hesitant to start leaning into all our oh, hor- horrifying on, news and the horrifying <laughs> things we have to discuss. But this is a this is a legitimate question, and, and well, it's not a legitimate, but um, this is something that's <laughs> happened to me. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of Bucky's Gas Station. Yes, you are. <laughs> Immodestly fond. Of one of it. your yes. son. Um, one of your sons says that he's convinced that it's a cult. Well, that was my that was my 
point right here, Max. So basically, he was talking to me about because he, okay, now in fairness, he's never been to Bucky's because I okay, I carry a Bucky's thermos with me pretty right. much wherever I go because right. I like to stay hydrated and I've got a nice forty ounce uh, whatever right. tumbler. So when I set that down at a job site or something, I. You talk about a conversation starter. Everybody has an opinion about it. They're like, right. "Oh my gosh, my family and I went to Bucky's, or we went yep. to this, or or they have an opinion of, oh, I, I'm not going there. It's too big. It's too crowded." But Bucky's gas station is a. It's almost like it's an institution. Okay. Have you been to Bucky's, Alan? All right. Well, let's throw in road culture. Road culture. Road there we culture. Because let's start with Lambert's. Okay. All right, Lambert's, there's two of them that I know of. There's one down in Florida. There's one up here in Sykeston, Missouri. Yeah. And it is the home of the Throat Roll. You know, I... the Translation, you go eat there. They actually have a little station, and if you want to roll, they're going to throw it at you. Right. They're going <laughs> to chuck this thing across. I'm not making this up. And Lambert's, you owe us money now. Yeah. Of So, welcome to the home of the Throat Roll. And this is purely a road food culture kind of place. It's a gimmick. Hey, Alan, you and I were on a road trip, and we tried to go to Lambert's. And like, oh, yeah, it's only an hour and a half wait or so. So, we yeah, skipped we, it. Yeah, we, we skipped it. But, yeah. you know, there are places like Bucksnort, Tennessee, Hog's Breath, uh, <laughs> North Carolina, Truth or Consequences, New Mexico, of... Even out by Roswell, New Mexico, the little alien. Oh, yeah, they of get, course. There is an entire food culture of these places all over the country. Right. Bucky's is just the latest. I don't and know. Bucky's probably, does it pretty pretty well. But, so, but yeah. And probably one of the one that leans into it the most. Because, well, you know, right up here in Jackson, Tennessee, we have um, the Casey Jones Museum. Yeah. And a restaurant is attached to it that is full of all kinds of bric-a-brac and craziness to walk around and look through. So welcome to welcome to what's left over of what I used to call the Route 66 mentality. Oh, if, yeah. If you built a giant bowler hat on the side of Route 66, people would pull over and stop and eat at the giant bowler hat. Well, my opinion about right. Bucky's too, and folks, if you haven't been to Bucky's, I should explain. It is a, um, and it's only in certain parts of the United stop. States. Right. It um, is a trucker's rest stop. Although, no, no, no truckers allowed, Alan. That's part of it. That part of the mystique is that they don't want it clogged up with the big trucks. But basically, this is the idea. When you see those giant truckers truck stops, what you don't realize is they also have showers. Oh, they got everything. Yeah. They've got food. They've got supplies for being on the road. So this is that idea. I love Bucky's those. Those are great. just picks up the idea and runs with it like a four-year-old with a brand new pair of scissors. So if you pull up to Bucky's, there are about, usually on average, about at least 100 gas pumps. At least. <laughs> at least. The gas station itself is the size of like a big box store, like a, like yes. a Target or something like that. It does boast the world's cleanest bathrooms for a gas station, and they are. They're yes. clean, they're big, they're spacious, and then they sell, they've got a restaurant, they sell, well, I call it a restaurant, it's walk-up, you still take it right. with you. They've got some serious, they hired a, an award-winning um, barbecue chef, like mm -hmm. uh, you probably know the guy, I'm sure, I'm sure he's been through Memphis here. And uh, he does all their brisket and well, he he supervises the right. training and all that. They they make their own fudge. They they have every kind of souvenir that you can stick up. They stick Bucky's face on everything. But the yes. thing is, 
I, I think it's one of the most brilliant business models because it's like uh, you take something that that might be a hassle, or we've been, we've been on a road trip before, Alan. Oh yeah. You go to that really sketchy uh, gas station in the middle of nowhere, and it looks the like not of a horror movie. And it says "Pet the Life Tiger" on the back wall. Yeah. You, you got yeah. all your you know you, you got kids with you. You don't want to do that. So they take what should what could be a hassle and turn it into an event. You know, and um. But it's funny because I, I, it's, ama it's amazing how polarizing Bucky's can be because I've I've got people that are like you uh, you couldn't pay me to go in there and then there's other people who are like oh. I'll hold it for an hour oh. to get to Bucky's because yeah and I'm one of those people I love Bucky's <laughs> I think it's awesome so I apologize to no one for All right, that. Well, well, guy, welcome to again the Route 66 mentality when getting out on the road mm -hmm. was in itself its own adventure. Yeah, because. If you look at the whole old Route 66 idea, yeah, which went from Chicago to California, yeah, people just nobody had ever driven out west. You're from the east. You're from trees and buildings and people. They've never been out. They haven't seen the and desert. The roadside attraction of the post World War II era, right, began. And see, so we even used to have, and I don't think anybody younger than me has ever even seen one. There used to be rolling advertising down the side of rural highways. Oh, I've seen and they you have a truck like, with a billboard on it. No, 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 no. These were like signs telling like dad jokes. Oh, yeah, Two or three yeah. words at a time about mm -hmm. half a mile apart up and down these things. Oh, yeah. So you'd be driving along and it would be sponsored by usually something like Barbasol shaving cream or something like that. Right. So, I mean, these were just... These were just part of the culture of the rising new culture of the car. Sure. Yeah. And Bucky's really has just been the biggest winner in oh, this yeah. mentality. And, you know, all I got to say is fair play. Keep doing it because let me tell you something. It makes the world more it, fun. It's like you said, it's clean. Yeah. It's safe. Yeah. It's well lit. You can get something to eat. You can get off the road. And you got a story to tell when you get home. The only, the only uh, <laughs> regret is that uh, it's it's a shame that Bucky's wasn't around when they made the uh, Chevy Chase Vacation movie, where they're on the road to Wally World. Because you know, Bucky's would have been featured in that. Would have been well, they'd have been better than Wally movie, World because so, Wally yeah. World was terrible. <laughs> anyway, but it's fun. I just wanted to mention that because on job sites, I'm constantly uh, yeah discussing my Bucky's uh, thermos and everything. So, hey, Alan, before we get into uh, winter Geddon or whatever the heck we're calling this thing, I, I do have a question uh, about lumber prices because I'm sure other people are thinking about this. Um, when I go to my big box store, it's getting weird again. Okay, we again? know 2020, <laughs> we know there were issues. Okay, there were, there were issues because they had to shut down things in uh, 2020 with uh, COVID restrictions. We know that right. there are developed supply chain issues we right. know that and and as you said things that happen today will affect things you know what six months from yes. now or something so but alan here's what i can't figure out i go because I've, I've got a project and i need to get some lumber again right. once again so i'm looking and i like to uh look through the whole section so there's some lumber that's sort of reasonable it's like you know it's and uh there's some like like a two by four these days is about five bucks which is more than it should be a picket a uh, fence board is mm. about three bucks or something like that. Then you get to the plywood aisle, and and it, it could be ninety bucks for a sheet of plywood Correct. or something. But then there's some that don't seem to have been affected at all. So I guess my question has to is twofold. 
Um, some, you know, obviously making plywood involves cutting thin layers. There's, right. there's probably a lot more labor intensive. So is, I guess what's going on again, Alan? It, 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 break it down for me because I'm just can, wondering when we're going to get back to normal. I can cover your question in two words. Good. Hurricane Ian. Uh, Really? Okay. Talk to me. Category so. four hurricane, September 30th, 2022, hmm. wandered across Florida and wandered up the eastern seaboard. Okay. They're and still that's rebuilding somehow... it. Oh, they're buying up all... And oh, there goes all okay. your lumber. Because Ian... So it's a supply and demand Because Ian issue. lasted forever. Ian came rolling up, hit Florida, and then just kind of visited all the good hot spots all the way up the eastern seaboard. Mm. So once again... You know, again, I forgot about that. They're rebuilding. You know, and it's 90 days. You know, it's 90 days later... So, welcome, welcome to where all of your plywood is. Well, plywood and it's ply, like I said, it's fence board. It's it's basically now that it's you're saying all this, the it makes a lot of sense. materials, right? Because there's a few, and even like um some some lumber where it's uh uh, uh like a one by four or something, just a straight up piece of yes. pine and things like double or triple what it normally would be. So, well, we had a massive Category Four went up the Atlantic seaboard, and guess where all your lumber's gone. Oh, boy. Because it did billions of dollars worth of damage here, there, and everywhere. So, you oh. know, that, and like you say, you, you, you got to look at these things in like 90-day bites. That's what I was about to ask. How Well, it's obviously going to take more than 90 days to rebuild Florida. Well, uh, let, me, so. let me give you a horrible 90-day prediction. Okay. Right now in China, they're having a massive COVID problem. Right. Oh, yeah. Guess what that's going to mean somewhere around March. Okay. Back to supply chain issues. Yeah. Because a lot of products are not going to be shipping on time. Are, are, is our lumber affected by that? Because I guess that's our, what I'm, well, I'm mostly it, thinking of lumber at the moment just because well, that's what I... Well, it can be because lumber is an international stock trade. Mm -hmm. So when you when lumber, you know, trips up in one area, some other area generally steps up production to keep it filled. Right. But it takes time. So, you know... You look in these things in 90-day cycles, and I'm going, all right, guys, you, you need to look at your logistics going to be at your local big box, uh, not hardware store, but your general big box stores. Right. You know, you, they're, they're, those towels may be getting a little more expensive around March uh, until yeah. supplies come in later. You know, the uh, excess of patio furniture might disappear in April because, you know, welcome to the international supply chain. Huh. Okay. Well, I got getting back to lumber, like yep. because I do have another question about that. So we, you know, I, you know, one thing that uh, sort of irritates me is um, some people think that if you cut down a tree, it's dead forever or whatever. You know, trees are a renewable resource. If you manage the forest properly, and if you man, and you know, you plant it and it grows again. But my question is, like for you know, for our two by fours and things like that, how long does it take to grow a tree to? get to a point where it can be cut down and then turned into two by fours more or less. So, and, or is that even a factor in this? Do we have plenty of trees or well, is it got, the processing? I well, guess well it is so. a managed forest. So you're looking at about a 12 to 20 year turn, depending upon exactly what you're trying to produce. Oh, okay. So, so it's that it, long. Right. Yeah. So you're looking, you're looking on average for your faster growing, softer woods for things like your two by fours. Right. You're looking at about a 10 year turn. So they want to only harvest X amount per year and replace that per year. So you have a perpetual 
supply right. for in the future. Okay, gotcha. So, I don't so, know. It's just a lot forestry of Forestry management is very important to us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, man. But but it really, it just seems like the processing. And then, like you said, I guess the whole, I, I didn't consider the factor of that big, you know, the big storm and rebuilding and everything. So, now it's a supply and demand situation. Well, Ian kind of got overshadowed by suddenly us getting buried in four feet of snow. So, uh, Ian's kind of dropped out of the news, but it's uh, for us, especially in the construction side of things, uh, he's still kind of big news because he's soaking up a lot of our resources. Wow. Okay. Yeah, you got to really, man, pay attention and and mm. plan and everything. It's almost to the point now, if you if you get a good price on lumber, just buy it and yep, store it. it in your garage <laughs> when you can. So. All right. Well, Alan, um, that's good information, my friend. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here at Tool Talk Radio. When we come back, oh, man, I shudder to think we're going to talk about Alan's Week in Review. <laughs> Tool Talk Radio with Joe and Alan. I've been going door to door looking for fire hazards. Mind if I give your place a little inspection? News Talk 98.9, the roar of Memphis. He's the kind of guy we needed for this um, uh, winter Mageddon. Oh, yeah, just come on into my home. Wow. No problem. And welcome back to uh, Tool Talk Radio, coming to you from the Brown Refrigeration Studios. I'm Joe Thorderson with Thor's Hammer, Carpentry and Wood Turning, here with my buddy Alan Gilbreth from darkoakmedia.com and our buddy Max over there behind the glass. You can call or text us at the Big M Roofing and Remodeling Hotline at 901-683-0989, and it's a really good day to do so. I mean, you can commiserate. I'm sure there's people out there that had as fun of a Christmas as we did and probably worse. You know, I know... If you had any issues with your with your pipes bursting or power mm. outages and every you know just 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 the power going out with that cold weather was was rough on a lot of people. So it was not fun. It was a week to remember, but mm. um, yeah, it was definitely a Christmas that we'll never forget. <laughs> but uh, you can also uh, we also invite you to go over to uh, Tool Talk Radio's Facebook page and uh, check out the action over there, including the post I made of our must have items of the week because they're all. Um, they're, they're all working in concert to, uh, you know, yes. they, they're, they're must have, I know, I wish I'd have made them last week. And you yeah. said it, they sound like the name of a law firm, but I'm not going to say why. Oh yeah. Good point, Max. So that's a little tease for you too. So, uh, go check it out over at, uh, Facebook, uh, the tool talk radio Facebook page. So, Hey Alan, I don't know. Uh, I haven't heard from our buddy Jay Hill with big M roofing and remodeling, but I have to imagine he's had an interesting week. I don't oh, know. I saw him this week. Well, what is it like putting roofs on? You know, they they stop for no one. And uh, the snow, honestly, we didn't get a whole lot of snow. So, I mean, I'm sure they were chugging along even amidst this cold, right? I mean, uh, well, it was more uh, uh, damage mitigation this week. Okay, so this you know, week was... a lot of tree branches got snapped off. A, mm-hmm. lot of, a lot of things hit a lot of roofs. So. Well, okay, gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. So some, sometimes it's uh, reconnaissance. Sometimes it's, uh, you know... Putting those roofs in. So when is it ever search and destroy? And- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if you've got any roofing issues or remodeling, uh, remodeling projects, get in touch with our buddy Jay Hill at Big M Roofing and Remodeling. For one thing, he is always five stars with the Better Business Bureau. I guess he's never gotten less than a five star mm-hmm. review. Five stars with good housekeeping. He's a GAF Master Elite Installer, and um, they put in roofing systems. Yes. And as we've shouted from the mountaintops. A roofing system is a comprehensive, it, it does, you know, driving by, you may not realize uh, how technologically advanced these roofs are, Alan, but I mean, there's there's a lot of thought that goes into every component and it creates a roofing system. Yes. So, I mean, 
there's a lot more to it than, you know, we, we go back, God, we, th- we, we, there's so many roofs, especially in the mid South that are over 50 years old. Mm-hmm. The, the actual system was, you know, basically you put some wood up there, you covered it with something, you got shingles mostly straight and <laughs> you hope it didn't leak. And that's hope just you didn't get not, too much wind. Yeah, hope that's it, yeah. just not the way it is anymore. And you go in the attic and it's 900 degrees oh. up there and everything. So, uh, one for one, one, key factor of the roofing system are these ridge vents which are basically standard issue now with with jay hill they 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 cut a vent at the very peak of your roofs and they put in these ridge cap vents which they they don't leak they're fine and they they let your roof breathe and suddenly your house is running cooler your attic's running cooler and your shingles are running cooler from underneath which is where a lot of damage happens they're not baking they're not baking and so your roof that's why they can offer a lifetime transferable warranty on their roofing systems and uh the other great thing about jay of course is that he's a former insurance agent he um when you when you have to make a a claim maybe you have a, a a claim for your roof to be replaced like you and i have you know or repaired um, it's a process, and you need to understand the process, and Jay Hill is sort of the expert with that. So, And he's got uh, – basically, this whole consultation is free. Yes. And he's a riot to deal with anyway. The other thing sometimes we fail to, to mention, Alan, is the fact that Jay also has um, relationship. he has a great relationship with up to 30 different lenders. More or less, you can if you need to finance this baby – you, you apply, you're probably going to get approved by at least five or six. Right. And then you select the terms that work for you. So, you you know, if you're caught off guard and you suddenly find that you've got to do a roof replacement or roof repair, uh, financing is available too. And Jay is just a dynamic personality. And he he really gives you the sense that, uh, you know, you're in good hands and, and, you know, you're dealing with competent professionals and somebody that actually cares. Jay Hill lives and breathes roof replacement. Yes, I mean, he that's does. that's he his, honestly does. If, if he has a vocation in life, this is what it is. He's he's doing what he was born to do. Anyway, <laughs> or to quote Palpatine, fulfill your destiny. Exactly. He does. So, he does. Yeah. Anyway, get in touch with our buddy Jay Hill at Big M Roofing and Remodeling. You can call him directly at 901 484 5645 or go to Big M Roofing and Remodeling.com. All right, Max, I didn't prepare you, but it's time for uh, Alan's Week in Review. Earth is humanity. <laughs> I think that undersells it this week, Alan. Because we're all going to, I think it's going to be Tool Talk Radio's Week in Review. But go ahead, you. let's start with your, let's just with what start you with, dealt with this let's week. Let's just start with the word cult. Well, you know, there's so many stories. I'm just going to go with like, the big highlight. Okay. Because I want to throw out a cautionary tale to every homeowner in the Mid-South of a big trend in the last few years has been to add decorative lighting on the exterior of your home. So you've lit up a tree or you've lit up a walkway. Now there's lots of cool little solar devices you can get to put out there, but Let's face it; they don't really last all that long, or really work all that well. They haven't really perfected them. They, they, they look great for a while, then cheap. they sort of peter out. They're yeah. they're really cheap, yeah. and I'm just gonna leave it as they're cheap. Okay. So yeah. a lot of people have opted to run electrical lines. Okay, here's where we're gonna start our story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and full disclosure, I love outside lighting. I think it makes your house safer. It, it makes it look better. It it's does. dramatic. It's, it's cool, but. Do it correctly. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, even if you did it correctly, we have had a lot of water 
we have had some absolutely unprecedented cold. Mm -hmm. And ice can damage anything. Oh, yeah. Ice can split a pipe, can it, Joe? Yeah. We, uh, <laughs> spoiler alert. Yes, it yeah, can. So, it can, yeah. can split a pipe. Right. Uh, it can also split conduit. Mm-hmm. It can split no, your fittings. No, it'll split a car engine, Alan. It'll, it yeah. can split anything. Don't put, by the way, don't just put straight water in your radiator. Oh, no, no, uh, no, no, And then no, no, go no. and then forget about it no, over no. the winter. You'll nope. have a crack car engine. Yeah, so, yeah. you're yeah. going gonna to lose you're it gonna always lose more wins. than that. Yeah. Water always wins. So. so here's what can happen. If you haven't tested your exterior lights, because nobody's going in the backyard right now, I would strongly suggest the first nice calm, semi-dry day we have, you need to test them. Okay. Because you do not want to get a phone call like I got wondering if a small volcano was beginning to form in the middle of a property. <laughs> so wait. Okay, go ahead. Never mind. I'm, I'm keeping my checklist of questions. Water, water is bubbling. Steam is pouring out of a tiny little hole. And it is beginning to, to and it, it it's... Honestly, making like something from yellow, like Yellowstone, like boiling like mud. Like a geyser. Like boiling mud, just hissing and going and going and hissing. And we're trying to figure out, is there a water main underneath there? Is this steam? Is Does it smell? And happily, one of my assistants, you know, stuck his face down there close enough to kind of go, I think it smells something burning. Yeah. No, well, so, I hope he had rubber uh, shoes on. So, yeah, well, I mean, here we okay. go. So we immediately began looking around, and of course, this is at a parking lot. So we're going, okay, what's on? Well, of course, the, the, the solar detectors, the little photo eyes, it was still pretty dark. Right. So the lights were on. So we're like, uh, okay, let's start throwing breakers. So we finally found a breaker that turned off the little volcano. I, I'm, I'm sort of, okay, go ahead, because I have a question about that. Alan, here's my question. You've got this volcano, which more or less, I, you, I, I'll give you credit. You took a picture. It's yes. this red glowing thing under a puddle of water, letting off steam. <laughs> Why didn't that trip the breaker? That should have, isn't that a safety flaw? Well, it's because of what it was okay. arcing. It was it was arcing to the conduit. It wasn't feeding back into the breaker. Electricity, we, we, it's still a mystery to it, me. There's a reason it is called the theory of electricity, not the law. Because electricity really is going to do. do. Whatever it wants to do when it wants to do it. That seems like a pretty big safety right. Eventually, yeah. this thing would have tripped a breaker. Yes. Okay. Of Because of the way the water and everything was interacting, it was still feeding it power. So because, it must have been dripping on this line. No, no the, the line was underground and had split. And, of course, water is now pouring down into it. And the ice had already damaged the cover on the wires. So it was arcing out to the conduit. Okay. Thus making the cute little volcano coming up out of the ground. And happily, we, we figured it out. We saw it. We shut everything down really quick. And that's when the real fun begins. Because okay. now you got to dig all of that up. Yeah, no kidding. Well, what what you're talking about is a is a, is a electrical line that was not buried deep enough? Or was it just... well? Not protected, insulated well enough? or Well, here's what happens. Uh, people don't realize, especially in the Mid-South, that tree roots and stuff will push things up out of their way. 
Oh, good point. Yeah. And we have a lot of really nice big trees. And of course, when you're looking at this parking lot, it's got some really nice mature trees around it. Right. And where some of the roots had, you know, gone, you know, move over, child, I'm coming through. Yeah. Had pushed. You know, you could look around the, the outside of the parking lot and you could occasionally see like a sprinkler head that would be sticking up. Yeah. And that's because a tree root underneath it has pushed it up close to the surface. Well, it had pushed this particular piece of conduit up close to the surface, close enough to where the cold got to it. And, of course, because the root had pushed it up, it was slightly bent. So it made a spot where the wires weren't just perfectly down the middle of it anymore. Wow. So, yeah. Okay. This is, so- now, I mean, this wasn't an overnight event. This has been going on for decades to arrive here. Yeah. But sooner or later, you're going to reach a failure point. What happens if you're digging and you hit that with a shovel? Are you getting zapped? Uh, you're going to get zapped. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you could very easily get zapped if your trees and bushes have moved things from where you think they're supposed to be. Mm. So my big cautionary tale here is we just had massive cold. It froze into the ground more than the inch or two we're used to. Oh, yeah. And... For those of you that live up north, the people up in Wisconsin are right now dying laughing at us. They think we're a bunch of wimps. Because, so, yeah. you know, they know ice moves everything for the first 6 to 12 inches underground, which is why they ought to have 18-inch footings well, or 24-inch footings. Alan, can I just throw something in? Because it's, uh, once in a, we, we don't talk about it much here in the Mid-South because we don't deal with it a lot. But, however, there is this thing called the frost line. Yes. If you build a fence or if you build anything that involves setting like posts like a mailbox or yes. anything you have to consider the frost line because it will move things and yes it's it's worth the extra effort you know to shovel it out and dig dig that extra amount deeper i want to say our frost line here uh, my rule of thumb i thought it was always 18 inches as far as like if you're digging a fence post is that is that right i mean well it's like the frost line is probably Eight or ten inches, but to be safe, you go below that. So right. if you're yeah. going to bury something, go pretty deep. If you're, if you're going to bury a water line or something, it needs to be at least six inches underground, you know, oh, for I'd what we're doing. Deeper. But yeah. I would definitely go like 12. But in And this I would case, definitely in, insulate it well, put it in some sturdy piping and everything well, a, a, to be safe. In this particular case, these tree roots had brought it up to within two inches of the surface. I didn't think of that factor. So, so digging yeah, near so, a tree yeah, we or, had to saws all out a per, fairly substantial tree root to get everything back down to an appropriate level and put in a box that would properly house it. And, and you know, this is just one of these things people don't think of because, well, the backyard lights have always worked. Well, and probably well, back year, when they put these in, that tree was tiny. Half if, the size right. it is 10 They years might not later. even have planted that. Right. Yeah. So this is my cautionary tale to, you know, all, all of uh, our lovely homeowners out there. If you've got buried lighting, you've got buried wires in your front yard or your backyard, I would strongly suggest over the next week or two, as soon as you get a nice pretty day, let's test them. Because you may not have them on now because, well, nobody's in the backyard in the winter. But let's test it and make sure we're not going to burn something up of or set a tree on fire before, <laughs> before we get to spring. Alan, I've got a. I've just got our next billion dollar idea. Okay. So, and you, you're you're a computer guy. You could do this. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and if you're out there and you you steal this idea and you patent this idea, then you we want lunch. our cut. Yeah. You just made me think of something. Okay. With our with our technology we've got today, 
I'm I'm just picturing you could take your house. Let's just suppose you build a house and you put a tree there. You put right. your light and you. It would be interesting if you could do like a time lapse, like an app that tells you a time lapse that says in five years your house is going to look like this, and it does a mock up simulation. It shows the tree expanding. It shows yep. things deteriorating. And 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 wouldn't it be interesting if you could create a a, a app or just create some sort of computer program where you could project out okay maybe it's not a good idea to put that uh maple tree over there because in 10 years it's going to look like this and it's going to create these problems in other words you preemptively design with all of the factors interacting you could say this pvc pipe that i buried over here has a 50-year lifespan or it has you know right. what i mean i think that would be kind of interesting because sometimes we just don't think of all the dynamics of the way these things interact i didn't think the problem when you told me about this this morning, I didn't think the problem was going to be tree roots, but, and they didn't probably either when they, you know, when they put it in, but suddenly all these things interact. I, I'm, I don't I'm know. thinking of a couple of the of more premium neighborhoods we have off of Poplar. Mm -hmm. yeah. of, and when you get off to these, in, into these homes, they were built right at about 50 to 60 years ago. Right. Yeah. Very nice, very well done, but we hadn't quite made the conversion to PVC underground piping yet. So we're still dealing with metal pipes of, that can corrode. A lot of these homes of, you know, 30, 10 years after they moved in, thought planting a tree right in the dead center of the front yard would right. be picturesque. Well, <laughs> 20 years earlier, right down the dead center of the front yard is where they ran right. that either metal or clay pipe. Yeah. Heaven help you if it's clay, because that tree found that pipe fast. Oh yeah. And has moved in with you. Um and has possibly collapsed your sewer pipe going out of your home. And there is of uh, let's just say there's a couple of plumbing companies in town that specialize in certain parts of town digging up front yards and replacing iron or clay piping. And they're all homes built right around the same period, right around late 50s, early 60s. And those guys always wind up working in a neighborhood. I've seen that. Like, uh, you know, I'll be working in a midtown oh, or something. Oh, you'll see the and, same truck at this front yard. And right. then a month later, they're at that front yard. And a month later, they're the one across the street. Right. Yeah. Uh, Memphis has reached that age where a lot of this subterranean infrastructure has reached its lifespan. Yeah, it's a very fertile, you know, it's interesting because because my daughter, she lives in New Mexico and they're, the the dynamics they deal with are different than here. You know, tree, they, they, they don't really think dry. a lot about tree. They think about protecting your your home from dry and, right. and, and heat and you know, moisture, almost like moisturizing your skin. They have yes. to moisturize their house and things like that. And it's just here, man, we're, we are, the, Memphis is one of the most fertile places I've ever lived. <laughs> I mean, you can just watch stuff just... You can watch the grass grow practically overnight. Well, if it's cutsy, you can literally watch it grow. Right. <laughs> and, and, man, does that create a lot of issues. It's like, huh. If we ever abandoned Memphis and everybody left for 10 years, it, we'd come oh, back. Be, it would be a forest. Yeah, this would be a kudzu pile <laughs> <laughs> instantly. Uh, so, you right, know, so. the cautionary tale is of after such a serious event. Yeah. Be very aware. Uh, do a little maintenance, you know, go get some of those little enzyme cleaners. Let's get some drains cleaned. Let's ch double check some electrical. Let's, uh, and another one I want to throw in, 
if you haven't capped and covered an outside spigot, yeah, they have some wonderful new heavy test plastic caps for your outside spigots. Oh, nice. I cannot advocate these highly enough. It is a 98 cent part that can save you thousands of dollars in plumbing later down the line. Can I um can I mention something really quick about that? I'm glad you brought that up because one thing, you know, they make these um they're called non I think they're called non-freeze. You know, we have we everybody knows that when it gets cold here, you're supposed to cover your outside water right. spigots with a foam. They they've made these new um uh, what are they called? I guess they're called non-freeze pipes or something because basically what it is is when you turn the faucet on, the the plumbing mechanism is inside the house away from the cold. However, if you leave your garden hose attached to that, you oh, just yeah, undid the whole thing because yeah. you're connect you're creating a water connection. So, folks, if you have one of these non-freeze pipes, you still have to take your ho the hose off. Get the hose off, and I am still going to tell you cap it and cover. It. I would cap. I would just go careful. You know, I would definitely do the uh, you know. Go, uh, just be safe, because because cold and ice will find its way. So, hey, Alan, um, I, we didn't tease this at the beginning of the show, but I do want to bring something up. We've got a uh, we've got a hit on our uh, design flaws. Ooh, I've got a topic like a here. loose nail. Yeah, one out of twenty five <laughs> ain't bad. You don't have any code violations, do you? Nope. Ah! How many times do we have to teach you this lesson, old man? What do you think of the house that love built? <laughs> oh, shoot. Max, I still want to, uh, we still need a new design flaws. I, I don't like piggybacking and borrowing from other segments, <laughs> but uh, anyway, because later we, we've got a 30 years of stupid oh, coming up. Yes. Oh, cry me a river. Okay, yeah, anyway. Yeah. But hey, Alan, this is, this is, um, I want to be careful how I word this because um, I, I don't fully, I, I, I like parts of this, but okay. there are parts of this uh, item that d definitely suffer from a design flaw, and that is tankless water heaters because, um, I can't tell you how I got, you know, you get your phone calls. I was getting my phone calls from in-laws and also um, friend, my wife's friends and everything like that um, about their tankless water heater. Because this week with the uh, the situation we found ourselves in was cold and power outages, which created things that yeah. uh, that created in a case lot of problems. Was, one problem wasn't enough. Here's another. Yeah, I do love the concept of a tankless water heater, and I think it's the right direction to go. However, the design flaw seems to be that a lot of these are installed in attics, um, attic spaces, mm -hmm. which are obviously exposed to the cold. And there is, regardless of the fact that you could have insulated pipe, but there's still enough connections that are not insulated they're just fully exposed to the to the cold and they um and they uh they can crack and they freeze you know we've seen that happen and uh, it can be a pretty catastrophic uh damage uh if that happens but what honestly you're probably more in tune with the function of a of a tankless water mm. heater but we're 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 not quite there i think we're 80% there with tankless water heaters what what do we need to do to make these safer and to make them you know where where they'll function the way they should. So well, all right. Sadly, back in the fifties, uh, we went very kind of this um, institutional cafeteria style kind of ideas. Mm -hmm. And by the time we got to the seventies, we totally forgot that certain things need space. Oh, like a kitchen. Yeah, you know, because we have galley kitchens that. As I look over here at Max, 
he'll fit in, but you and I, we're not cooking anything together. Yeah. Two and people in the kitchen. Whoever at a time. invented the sunken living room <laughs> needs to just be. You just need you just need to be gone. Right. Okay. So here's what we need to rethink. Hot water tanks right. and tankless heaters and things like that that are absolute mission critical to a house yeah. need to be in a room designed for them. I don't mean a big room, just a closet, but it needs to have a floor drain. Right. And it needs to be environmentally controlled so that your water tank is not sitting outside being berated by zero degree temperatures or your tankless water heat system is where you can't see it or find it. And they're also installed horrible places where when a failure does happen, it is going to cause more and more and more damage trying to contain the event. So I am a huge advocate of additional shutoffs that are easy to get to. Yeah. And floor drains. Put this stuff in a closet with some tile and a floor drain. So when you got a failure, you've got a fail safe. And if it's if it's in a if it's in within the house, it's it's not exposed to extreme temperatures like it is in the attic. Right. But so. it's got a drain. Right. So it's don't put it in the attic so you can collapse the ceiling two bedrooms and take out Fluffy the cat. Maybe you know? that's the design flaw. It's going it's being installed in the wrong place. Yes. And uh and it's yeah. And they're not taking into account catastrophic events like what Everything we have here. will fail must have a plan. Okay. We might we might tie up that thought because I, I Tankless water heaters are a big deal these days. So, well, we hope uh, today's show is a big deal. Anyway, anyway terrible segue, but uh, you're listening to Tool Talk Radio. Hour one is in the can, but uh, stay tuned for hour two, and especially our great moments in building history. News Talk 98.9, the roar of Memphis. Tool Talk Radio with Joe and Alan. And welcome to Hour 2 of Tool Talk Radio, coming to you from the Brown Refrigeration Studios. I'm Joe Thorderson with Thor's Hammer, Carpentry and Wood Turning, here with my buddy Alan Gilbreth from darkoakmedia.com and our pal Max over there behind the glass. You can call or text us at the Big M Roofing and Remodeling Hotline at 901-683-0989. And we invite you to go to Tool Talk Radio on Facebook and check out the uh, action over there. Join the page. You know, I mean, give us a like and yeah. share, the, uh, share the page. Um, there's things that we post, including our must-have items of the week. I'm, a, I'm about a week late. <laughs> I should have done this last week, Alan. But um, these are hot items. Trust me. If you went to the uh, big box store this week, these were probably sold out, you know, so yes. get these now in preparation for the next time you're going to need them. Hopefully you're not going to need them for a while, but they're mission critical items. And uh, I'm already getting some interesting responses from them. So, hey, Alan, in this hour of Tool Talk Radio, we are going to be getting it uh, shortly to our great moments in building history. It's nice. We're going to take a break from the cold and wet and mm. water problems and go out Go out west and talk about Go uh, dry. the Grand Canyon Skywalk over there in northern Arizona, which is a really interesting construction. It's uh, it's 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 a very interesting discussion we're going to get to. Um, but we need to wrap up a couple things from hour one. If you're just tuning in, we've uh, obviously been talking about the uh, winter <laughs> Mageddon or whatever we're calling these. You know, it's funny. The, the way Memphis is situated, or I should say the Mid-South, we get in these weirdest situations. You get... You get a half an inch of snow and you get some sub-freezing temperatures for a few days and suddenly 
all you know what breaks loose. And it's just, I mean, it causes all sorts of problems. And I'm like, I think we need to really up our game as far and, as our. And within yeah. three days, all right, after a low of zero. Right. Four days later, four, just four days later, the low was 53. Oh, I was in shorts the other day. You know, go figure. Welcome to the mid south. Yeah, it's it's a little extreme, but um, Alan, uh, we before the break, we were talking about several things, but you said we got a text. Uh, what's we did indeed? So apparently, Some... you are not the only Bucky's fan out there. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah, so, we we did talk about Bucky's the first hour yeah, of the show. So the the text is if we're on the road and there is a Bucky's three exits after our destination. We're gonna go three exits further. They're turn. Wait, three ex exits after or before? Yeah, they, so they'll skip their own exit to go to Bucky's. Three exits down to turn around and come back. Then take care of it. Yes. Okay, gotcha. Well, That's good how for much you. people love Bucky's. Absolutely. So, okay, yeah, Bucky's is an institution, and you either get it or you don't. You know, and that's fine. You know. We we want happy faces at Bucky's. So, but anyway, and Max, our, our next text was cat birthdays. Seriously, yeah. Well, Max, <laughs> you you talked about Flossie the cat, and uh, this Flossie's been getting a lot of uh, a lot hey, of mileage fair, this week. Fair play to Flossie for getting that old. Turned twenty seven, right? Right, twenty seven. Okay. Anyway, Max has been researching that all morning. So, hey, Alan. Um, uh, before we get to anything else, too, I want to just wrap up right before the break. We were talking about. Um, design flaws, um, I'm, I'm calling this, um, I don't know, partial design flaws. Right. I like tankless water heaters. I like the concept of you basically have not, uh, unending hot water. You could run the, right. the shower for an hour and you stay. I like the concept, but there are some, some elements of tankless water heaters. I don't know if it's that they're being put in the wrong location or something, but there are vulnerable spots when you have a power outage or something and, if you have a tankless water heater in your attic or something, those those connections can be exposed to extreme cold and they can break. So well, we, we've got to perfect that a little bit. I, I think uh, what we need to do is reevaluate our aesthetics. Okay. Oh, but I don't want to see that nasty old hot water tank. Trust me. Yes, you do. I don't mean put it in the middle of the kitchen. I mean... Let's have a designated spot. So the next time you build your house, mm -hmm. remember everything in it is going to fail. Yeah, I mean, at some so point you, you get a power So if you put a hot water tank right. in the attic on the third floor, right. guess where that water is going to go? Oh, well, it has a drip pan and a drain mm. that has never worked ever, said anybody. So They can clog. You get insects one, that crawl one in from dead the outside. Mouse, and right. your whole house is going to be needing ceilings, floors, carpeting. Right. So this, this is one of these things of where plan on failure. Right. And plan on ease of fixing it and replacing it. Yeah. So swallow some of your aesthetics. You can put the pizza oven on the other side, whatever. But make sure that you put, and this is kind of like, all right, all you builders and contractors out there, make this a selling point of the house. Yeah, that it's that, an interior space. You know, here so. you go. The hot water tank is in this closet right here. It's got a floor drain. It's got, you can even put one of those little shower steps so that water can't get out into the rest of the house. And if it fails, it's going down the drain. But now it's easy to get to. It's easy to fix. 
It's easy to service, and it's not going to freeze. Right. Yeah. I think that's the just planning on failure and being realistic, yeah. you know. So, um, so I, I, you know, tankless water heaters, I love you. You just need to be, you know. We, we, Don't put them not in the attic. There Please stop doing that. Put them in the right space. Yeah. So, okay. Um, you know who puts things in the right space every time, Alan? No, absolutely. I don't know if he's going to like this. Not you all. Is that a good segue? Anyway, yeah. our good buddy Larry Brown with Brown Refrigeration. <laughs> Half the time I wonder if I'm going to be getting angry phone calls after the show. Right, trust me, after, <laughs> after some of the situations I've put his guys in, yes, that is a great segue. Okay, well, I was dealing with one of his guys this week, Alan. Uh, uh, Bill. Uh huh. Um, you okay. know, big, big bill. I know big bill. He, uh, he's, we, we, I have a customer. She's got a beautiful home. It's, it's the one I've been working at forever. Well, um, I've never really spent much time. Uh, I haven't gone upstairs in the attic cause I haven't any projects up there, but right. she's had some issues with basically air circulation. You could say, because, um, there's on her upstairs, perfect example. You go on one side, the rooms are roasting hot, right? You go across the hallway and it's being serviced by the same uh, unit and it's ice cold. Well, right. I went up in the attic and it turns out the ductwork is is squirrely. I don't know how this stuff even passed code. Anyway, the ductwork, there's this huge run. Um, it's not configured correctly. Whatever. By the time, so anyway, Bill came over and um, he took he he pointed out a few things that need repair. Right. But also they're going to reconfigure the whole thing. Anyway, he shows up and it's just really interesting to listen to his guys because. Uh, it's not just Larry Brown, and it's not just the great Mrs. Brown. It's everybody on their team. Yes. They're consummate professionals. They show up. They're they're well trained. They know they they know what's going on, and they understand an uh, an HVAC unit, which, to be honest, Alan is still like rocket science to me. I don't really fully understand how it works, and um, you know. If it was made of wood, I'd be in good shape. Yep. But, but, but brown refrigeration, man, it's just it's such a great uh, it's a real pleasure doing business with a company like them. Uh, reputable, they are up on the latest technology, including clean air technology, yes. which continues to evolve. And we we talk about the importance of clean air because it's not just a eating and drinking healthy; it's breathing healthy. And when you have air that is not only uh, coming out of your system clean, but it's also cleaning every surface that it lands on. Indeed. That's that's science right there. So they they incorporate the Remy Halo system with all of their uh, HVAC units. Sometimes um, you might need just a tune-up. Maybe your unit, it's, it's, a, it's worth getting a tune-up once a year. It's almost, I mean, it's not free, but it's as close to free and as you can you, get. You take that your car in. Take you have somebody come look at your AC. This is a lot cheaper than tuning up your car too. It's like and and they're always running specials. You know yes. what? You, what I recommend is you, you know take advantage of these specials he mm -hmm. runs whenever he comes on Tool Talk Radio. But anyway, if you have any HVAC needs, you can also uh, monitor and you can also um, uh, you know handle your HVAC needs uh, on your smart uh, with the smart home technology right from your phone and make it run as efficiently as possible. And uh, it's just a, a great business culture over there with Brown Refrigeration. So get in touch with them. You can call them directly at 36901-362-1881 or go to brownref.com. All right, Alan, I've been looking forward to this discussion all day. And now, great moments in building history. All right. Well, Alan, um, <laughs> it's funny because I noticed a trend over the last few weeks, and especially with the with the... Things we've been dealing with in home improvement. Mm. This is basically, I don't even know, is it home improvement or just home, you know, just protection, survival, survival <laughs> basically. So 
I'm like, we need something that's cheerful and something interesting, and it doesn't have any downsides to it, mm. more or less. Uh, and uh, I got to give my wife credit. She pointed. She said, have you ever uh, thought about talking about the Grand Canyon Skywalk? And, of course, I've heard of it. Haven't been there. I, I do. Uh, have you been to the Grand Canyon before? I have not. I, I have flown over it a, a thousand times, but uh, uh, I have never actually been to it. I have flown over it many times, but it's apparently, it, it's got to be every anybody um, that has the opportunity. They say you go to the Grand Canyon and people weep when they see it. It's a very emotional thing and even even the best cameras don't really give you the effect of being there it's just just something it's it's you know it is a uh, natural wonder of the world it's one of the most beautiful places you could go especially when you start getting there around sunset or sunrise when all those shadows are being around but anyway um i want to say when was this out was this 2011 when they built this uh uh, no, maybe it was. <laughs> I should have checked the date. I got all the. I got everything except the date. It, all right, it opened it in March of two thousand seven. So it started in two thousand three, right? Yes. Okay. So construction I have, began in two thousand three. So basically, what you have is you have almost this untouched, uh, this untouched beauty uh, of nature, and the uh, the Wallapai tribe and uh, and an entrepreneur named Dave Jim got together and they wanted to construct something. Um, very unique. I guess I guess this is called the world's largest cantilever bridge. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what cantilever. I, got, I hate to admit okay. it. Okay, what is a cantilever? <laughs> Let's start there so you get the magnificence of what this is. Yeah, a cantilever is a diving board. Oh, okay. Well then, okay. So okay, it's freestanding. So yeah. You know, most of a diving board is unsupported. Right. Right. But it is massively supported in at back. one end or one side. Right. right. We actually discussed a cantilever structure a little while back. It was the Horyuji, which in Japan, like, it relies upon cantilevers, uh, that big pagoda yes. area. That's why it hasn't collapsed in Fort. It's a wooden structure that's survived, like, right. what, like six or eight hundred years or something. More, so. more or less. It's it's The structure itself is still there. Okay. So well, a full cantilever bridge of is... Thinking of anything that is going to go out into space unsupported, so there are not going to be any trusses or anything like. If you see like Underneath. the old westerns, right, and they got the bridge going across, you know, the railway tracks going across the canyon, they've got trusses all the way down to the ground, right. to support the weight. Or think well, of an airplane wing, yeah. Or or think of uh, gothic structures, or think of Gotham City with all the well, uh, arch. Well, you know. now anything that arches out into the air and just hangs there is cantilevered. Well, they want you to... So basically what they were trying to create, folks, is a situation where, you know, because you go to the edge of this canyon. So this is at the... Um, this is at Eagle Point. Right. Uh, and Eagle Point is fascinating. If you look at it, it it's uh, it's this um, natural structure that when you step back, it looks like an eagle. Yes. Right there. It's a really beautiful thing. It's very important to the Wallapai uh, people. And they... They wanted to more or less um, create a situation. You know, they call it a skywalk for for a reason. Oh yes, it's almost a spiritual <laughs> experience. You walk out there, and because it's got it's it's, it looks to me like the shape of one of those horseshoe magnets. Like it it's, is, and and so basically, it's a horseshoe shape. The bottom is made of glass. This thing is. You go out there. The sides are made of glass, and I'm I'm sure people that have issues with. Height must be. I, oh, I no. saw videos of this people walking would be in their version of a nightmare. They're clutching. Yeah. They're clutching the uh, the handrail, and they're you know. But but 
it's got to be a pretty interesting experience. 4,000 feet above the Colorado River. It extends 70 feet out over the edge. Well, um, when they were designing this, it was very important to, um, I think the way they put it was they wanted a minimal visual footprint of this. They didn't, in other words, the Grand Canyon is this is the star of the right. show. They don't want this massive structure. So they wanted to do this in the least ob obtrusive way possible. They even painted the struck the entire structure the same color as the canyon. So if you were yeah. stepping way back, you it might just blend in like camouflage. Right, if or you something, see a so. picture of this from the side mm -hmm. and you were at a distance, you probably wouldn't even really notice it. Right. That was the that was the point. However, so. if you get close up and take a picture of it and you look at a picture of this thing from the side, two words will leap to mind and that is just no way. <laughs> so it looks like you're like i'm not going out there all right yeah. so, so basically picture this yeah you you we've we've all taken a garden hose and bent it over in the middle or something like that right yeah all right so just picture taking like a piece of conduit or something and putting a big u-bend in it yeah and then laying it down on the table so that the u-part sticks off the edge of the table right all right. Good way to describe That is it. exactly yeah. what you're now going to walk on 4,000 feet unsupported in the air off the edge of Eagle Point. With a glass bottom. With a glass bottom. Right. And glass sides. I mean, the, the whole thing feels very exposed. It it's, is designed to give you the experience of a condor. Yeah. Well, it says skywalk. It, it, it is. You feel like you're walking you, in the you sky. Are, you are not being sold short anything in this experience apparently just you know because it extends 70 feet and just that just the fact that you are out above it changes the entire thing it's a lot different than looking over the edge of a. there's there's no a, looking over the edge you the, are you, over you are the over edge. the edge so 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 obviously there's a lot of challenges one thing that really struck me alan was it's not just um okay so they had uh, we should give a shout out to the uh Mark, this guy named Mark Johnson, it's MRJ Architects. Uh, they're the firm that designed this baby because it's not just a matter. If you look at the uh, Grand Canyon, you see all these layers and you yes. see it looks, you know, it looks solid. But honestly, no. it's almost it's it's almost like uh, one of these pastries where you could flake the layers <laughs> away and everything. Yes, right you out. could. Yes. So the first people to, to consult were the geologists because it's. It looks very solid, but you need to know what's going on. This thing weighs like a million and a half pounds. Uh, yes. It's it's heavy. And the the glass is heavy too. I mean, each pane of glass thick, weighs very, 1,200 yeah. pounds or yeah. something. So, yeah. but so they have to, to be able to construct something and, and put it on a surface um, that, that can support it. Well, Alan, apparently the first location they had, there was a fault line and the geologists luckily discovered this that pointed, I want to say the fault line went towards the, the opening of the canyon. Yes. And it, what would Which have happened is if you put the weight on, it would have would have snapped off. It would have slid in the canyon. Well, they said, hey, you know, then they did some more exploration. They said 100 yards this way is a, is an ideal spot because the fault line actually goes in towards the, you know, towards inland, you could say, and it, it, it would make a, a much more stable base. So just the fact that, I mean, that, that, that alone was its own, Work right to do that because it cost the, yeah. the sheer rock work itself was going to decide if this project ever happened. And they also had to dig these pylons. They have like a, I want to say like twenty one pylons, and they go pretty deep. Yes. Uh, they want to go fifty. Uh, I don't know if they go fifty yards into this thing. It, they go very deep into the you know, and they go far back. So I mean, right. this is drastically cantilevered. 
So yeah. you would actually have to knock most of Eagle Point off to, for to, this thing to fail. Right. So, so here, the, literally the mountain would have to fail for this to fail. And to be honest, with how they how they set this is basically they put it in like a dentist puts in a false tooth. Oh, all right. How do they do that? It is, it is honestly drilled and mounted and concreted into the actual depth of the mountain. Right. So this was a massive undertaking. Here's what I thought you would find interesting out. So you and I like your description. You said basically you can picture, you know, I I, I keep picturing this magnet, you know, the horseshoe shaped magnet right. or something. But if you have a so basically the horseshoe, um, it sticks out 70 feet, which means yes. that the straight ends go they I mean, so the whole entire thing goes back another probably hundred and something feet, right? I mean, I didn't measure oh, further but, than that. Further it's, than that, it's, yeah. it's so only really a third of this structure is sticking out. Correct. Okay, and this thing, as we said, it weighs one point two million pounds. And um, the uh, the thing is, so they constructed the horseshoe on land. They they constructed it on the edge right. before they, and then they had to basically take the horseshoe and over. start rolling it out. Yes. Well, that created its own thing. What if what if the ground tilted what? and this thing suddenly slid? Anything. In? What, what fascinated me, Alan, was they used an ancient technique that we're talking, we're going back thousands of years of the rod and plate method where yep. that's more or less you take <laughs> you take a log. I think we saw this in the Ten Commandments or yes. something when they did that. <laughs> Basically, you just take a, a log, you take a roll, a, a bar, you, you roll it a little bit, you little take bit. one bar out, put it in the, front. in the front, and roll it a little bit. Well, yeah. just imagine, even if that thing, this thing weighs 1.2 million pounds, if that thing, if the ground even slipped a little, yeah, you better step back. It's going on. So that that was a marvel. Everything about the way they had to do yeah, this was... You were was, one pigeon from disaster. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that part was very interesting. It, it really apparently went off without a hitch. We also failed to mention this thing has to... There, it's windy over there, yes. and winds can come from any direction, including up. And this Especially thing is really up. This thing is built to to handle up to 100 mile an hour winds. It can withstand an 8.0 magnitude earthquake. Um, okay, this stat was very interesting to me, Alan. It said <laughs> that it can support the weight of 71 747 airplanes. Yes, that's a very random statistic. <laughs> I mean, why didn't they just tell us how many pounds that is? That's for one thing, how are you going to stack all those airplanes well, on the end? But you know, I think were, that's a fun way of... They were just pointing out that, you know, by the time you added up all the tonnage... Yeah. ...that this it would take to move this thing, you could stack airplanes to the sky. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. So there's a couple little uh, other things we want to uh, mention with this. And, of course, uh, uh, <laughs> before we get out of here today, we are going to chime in on uh, 30 Years of Stupid oh, and yeah. my, my experience with, uh, with plumbing disasters. You're listening to Tool Talk Radio here at News Talk 98.9 The Roar of Memphis. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Tool Talk Radio with Joe and Alan. You have no skills, and you're a loser! <laughs> News Talk 98.9 The Roar of Memphis. Yeah. <laughs> somebody I've dealt with Max. those guys, so, yeah. yeah. Somebody and, turned Max's uh, mic on too early. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. Anyway, welcome back to uh, Tool Talk Radio, coming to you from the Brown Refrigeration Studios. I'm Joe Thorderson with Thor's Hammer, Carpentry and Wood Turning, here with my buddy Alan Gilbreth from darkoakmedia.com. Uh, and the ever feisty Max over there behind the glass. 
You can call or text us at the Big M Roofing and Remodeling Hotline at 901-683-0989. And we invite you to go to Tool Talk Radio's Facebook page and give us a like and check out the action over there. And um, including our must-have items of the week, which we're going to get to uh, momentarily. And uh, it's funny. This is one of the first times where the must-have item of the week is probably going to lead into a 30 years of stupid discussion. (laughs) Easily. Uh, <laughs> before the break, though, Alan, we were talking about our great moments in building history, and it was just kind of a refreshing um, conversation because, you know, I, I haven't seen a whole lot of downside with this. I feel like this project has been well constructed. It seems like it's an inspirational, uh, you know, an, an inspirational construction. It, it they, they did they did it right. It's going to be around for generations to come, and that's the Grand Canyon Skywalk over in a northern arizona and when we were given some of the statistics it it's hard to appreciate what a big deal this was um in terms of a construction uh, in terms of an engineering marvel because it looks so minimal it looks very simple when you look at it Alan. it looks like a diving board like you said with a glass bottom or a horseshoe shaped diving board that you're going 70 extending 70 feet out over a four thousand <laughs> foot drop you know know, in the canyon and here's the thing 70 feet just doesn't sound like much well 70 feet sounds small when you're sitting here when you're looking at this thing right 70 feet looks like about seven miles it's nuts Yeah. yeah yeah so but one one thing that i appreciate when you go there uh because they're always you know the 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 grand canyon is just an it's a natural marvel and i do like the way whoever's in charge of the the Grand Canyon in terms of maintaining it and keeping it from getting, you know, you don't see a bunch of billboards there. You don't see hopefully a bunch of garbage and everything. One thing when you go out on this uh, skywalk, you're not a, you're not even allowed to bring a phone or anything. You you can't bring your drinks. You can't bring they don't want a bunch of stuff winding up at the bottom of this uh canyon and everything but they do have professional photographers on hand because you know people are going to want their picture taken oh, yes. so you know they've got at, at any given time they got seven or eight um photographers and then you can get it you know i guess they send it to you or whatever so you can get your photo ops people don't worry but it's uh it's it's um the construction is pretty impressive but alan the one the 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 I don't know if these are the unsung heroes, but all of this is made possible because of expert welding. Basically, this thing was assembled yes. in sections, <laughs> and I I don't do much welding. I did a little bit mm. when I was younger, mm. but Alan, hot, I mean, this is this is you're you're supporting 1.2 million pounds of steel through welds. So okay, well, what the heck is that? That seems impressive. All right, well, so. let's tie this. Let me tie it mentally into a roof for okay, you. Okay, yeah. All right, see, we all, you and I both know how a roof works. Sure. A roof is a miracle of just basically gravity. Mm-hmm. So roof, roof number one gets a drop of water on it, and it covers part of roof layer number two to three, to four, to five, all the way down. Right. So there's a certain amount of overage and coverage that allows it to be supported. All right, well, with a cantilever, we know that gravity is constantly going to be pulling down at a consistent force based on the weight. So that when you layered the steel to go into this, you layered it in such a way that the weight pulling down on it cantilevers up into the one above it, and that is where you put your weld and your seal. And then you move down to the next one and you do the same thing so that it is constantly self-supporting itself as it reaches out. So not only is it amazing welding, 
Right. It's amazing physics. I was about to say, it sounds like a physics situation. It, so, yeah. Well, I mean, this is where this is where science, construction, aesthetics. This is a beautiful, absolutely beautiful example of what happens when everybody gets in tune. Right. Because now, and as we always say, everything's impossible until somebody does it. Yeah. Well, congratulations. And, it, you know, back in the year 2000, when they were designing this idea, they were literally putting every idea they could on the table to figure out if this could even be done. Yeah, it, it, it's funny because we look at it and we're, th you know, we see giant skyscrapers. We see all these things. It's like, of course we can build this. Well, not necessarily. There's, you're dealing with nature. You're dealing with weight. You're dealing with all these factors. You're dealing with wind. And with earthquakes, you, you know, know I mean? and 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 massive, massive kudos to the architectural firm mm -hmm. that learned from every failure in the past. Sure, yep. you know, it's a skywalk. Well, how did the skywalk in a hotel in Singapore fail? Right. Well, it failed because they didn't do this. Well, we're not gonna we're not gonna make that mistake. Right. So every aspect of this, so every weld had to be perfect. Every weld had to have a secondary fail safe. So that everything that goes, when you look at the actual construction, how this was put together, it almost looks like they were welding together like a dragon. It's, it's, exactly. it's not giant pieces like you think. It is smaller bites, each one cantilevering and supporting itself with its welds into the next piece. Yeah, they said there's tens of thousands of welds on this thing. Yes. So. And um, it's 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 fascinating, <laughs> and it's smooth. As, I mean, you look at the outside of this thing, whoever you know, because they also want it to look aesthetically pleasing. So all those welds and were, unobtrusive. So, right. I mean, this was a real balancing act of getting it built, putting it out there, and I'm going to add one more click thing because I'm big into maintenance, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> it is maintainable because they added places where they can check. And maintain the health of this over the years. Yeah, because they showed the guys that have to clean the glass from underneath. <laughs> but they've got harness. They've got they've got rails where they can just clip on their harnesses, swing underneath. And, and watching all that, you know. them do that mm -hmm. is probably as as good a show as you would see in any circus. Right. Because well, it's just astounding when you look at this. We uh, we encourage you to get on YouTube or go somewhere and, and do do some uh, research. And especially if you're out west, it's worth it. I want to say this is the western the western side of the Grand Canyon. And uh, that I feel like the Grand Canyon is yeah, just Mojave a must. County, right. A uh -huh. must go. I mean, that's got to be on everybody's bucket list. I plan on getting there. My wife's gone there a couple times. She said it's, you can't, re it, it, you, it has to be experienced in person. You can't appreciate it you know until you've till you've been there so uh hopefully you'll have a better trip than the brady bunch had when they got kidnapped by uh the guy from uh gilligan's island what was that and I, I think well, well, well i don't think the brady bunch is a big worry right here joe okay anyway but uh anyway check it out the grand canyon skywalk so all right alan i've put it off long enough uh this is actually a must-have item of the week with some um i wish i'd have Give, uh, I wish we'd have given this out two weeks ago, but who would right. have known what we were in Your for? Your must-have so. item of the week ties in with one of my items I harp on constantly, okay. and that is a water key. Exactly. It, it all ties to together. turn off the water in the event of a failure. Well, folks, if you go to our Facebook page, uh, because I'm holding up three things, actually, Alan. One of the things I didn't actually bring in because... 
you can't. So our must-have items of the week this this week are a uh, what is it? A pressure sensitive, a, 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 a tension. You have a tension adjustable pipe cutter. It's it, this thing is small, folks. It's probably three inches across. It's adjustable. It's as simple as it could be. It's almost like a little vice that you that you close with, with a, a with, with a, a blade little, on it. It's sort of a very thin round blade, and basically you simply squeeze the pipe. And you do you, you you go around a few times. And you it's, twist the whole thing around the pipe, then you tighten it a little more. Twist it around the pipe, tighten it a little more, and it, your pipe will get a nice clean cut. You still have to deburr it a little. You want to keep yep. a little knife, but um, it's it's a much cleaner cut than a hacksaw. Oh, yeah. Hacksaws will bend the pipe. It'll you know. Well, you're and, pushing and pulling and yanking. Right. right. The second thing I I as part of this duo is uh is a shark bite. Um, what is this one called? It's a shark bite. Um, what is this? You, you gave me a word for it uh, earlier. Oh, that is it, a tension grip. A tension grip. It's it's basically you just a push pipe it on there, splicer. and it grabs, provides tension, and prevents back pull. This does not look like it should work. If you have a pipe repair, I guess I should say this is to to repair like a water line, right? And the, you 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 talk about high pressure coming out of a water line. These are like up for, to seventy two psi. Right. These shark bite repairs are great. You literally slip it into place. It takes a little. Uh, you have to know what you're doing. You don't just you know because once they're on, they're they don't know, come back off. You well, gotta cut them off. You can get them off, but they're good. You know whatever. But the thing is, you gotta measure correctly. If you don't, yes. you, you know, go to go to YouTube and check out a little tutorial. The third part of this is having a. Just somewhere in your garage, just keep it handy for the next disaster. It's a it's a water line. Some people have half inch water lines. Some mm. people have three quarters. I, I want to believe most houses have half inch. Yes, I mean three quarters is probably industrial, yes. right, Alan? So I, I deal with that in the commercial world. Go stick a ten foot piece of pipe somewhere <laughs> and just because what you want is if you so, Alan. We had um, I'm going to overlap this, I guess, with our thirty years of stupid, more or less. And Max, you don't necessarily have to cue the. Uh, you know, sound effects here, <laughs> but basically, me uh, like many people, we had a we had a frozen pipe, and I, I did everything you're supposed to do, Alan. I dripped the pipes, right. I I I um, we ran the water, and it still froze. You know, anyway, it can happen. So, um, when you have something like this, this is a this is a great way to fix it. You take these shark bites are, you know, most people can do them. This um this little plumbing this little uh, pipe cutter. It's very simple. I, I dare say even your kids could cut a pipe with this. Yes. It's pretty safe. I don't know how you hurt yourself with this thing. I like what? the I like the trio for the names of these. I'm a, like the the these items this week. It makes me think of a law firm. Sharky I'm a copper cop it's Sharky Cutter and Copper. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, that works. A Three Stooges Law Firm that or works. something like that. that. Works. Sharky. But yeah, Shark Bite. You know, these things are great. And I I mean, um, they're I like the simplicity of them. And they are, uh, what is it? Plumber Code. It's an approved yes. repair. Some repairs are not approved. I mean, they make this crazy, like literally it's like a, a repair tape. That's yes. a temporary emergency measure. That That's is, not a approved. That is to stop the water today until the plumber can get there. They yes. have um, they have soldering. You know, soldering is something you could do. I The reason I'm leery with that, Alan, is it involves a blowtorch right up next to a tuba, you know, to a yes. rafter and stuff. Again, a professional needs to be doing that, not... And if, if not, you miss a little drip, standard homeowner, it's right. not going to. Yeah, these I like because they're pretty safe and most people can handle them. And so uh, I just want to say, so now leading into our 30 years of stupid, the reason I mentioned this, I'm, I'm just sharing. I know many people all over town had their burst water pipes. 
I feel like mine's sort of interesting just because it, it's a perfect 30 years of stupid, Alan. So, okay. So if anybody uh, has listened to, to Tool Talk for any any number of years, they know that I live in a house that is Cape Cod style, which right. is basically the upstairs as the, you know, the angled roof. So what that, what that winds up creating is on each side of my house, I have like a 30 or 40 foot run, whatever it is, of this little... It, it's technically an attic, but it's we never use the space because it's it's just this like a it's like a forty five degree angle and it's maybe four feet wide and you know four feet right. tall. So it's this little cramped space, but it's still technically an attic. So we stick like we we stick our Christmas decorations up and we use that. So anyway, okay. we had a burst pipe that um that started leaking. Thank goodness we were home. We heard the we um. Heard the water starting, you know, suddenly the, uh, the, the, as the temperatures warmed up, I guess the ice melted and it, and suddenly, you know, it started working again. Well, we heard it coming out of the ceiling right above and uh, right by that area where, where we have that crawl space or, you know, that attic space. So luckily I was home. I ran out to the street, turned off the water immediately, right. which is, it, unless you have a main cutoff in your house, which we don't, we have to cut it off at the street. Everybody in the house needs to know how to cut the water off yes. right now. How many times have we shouted that from the mountaintops? Because it averted it, a disaster. This pipe and that we I, will continue to shout it. <laughs> I showed uh, I, I, as as part of our um, you know must have item of the week. I cut this little segment of pipe off. Alan, this slit is like maybe a half an inch or three yes. quarters of an inch wide. Go and ahead, for next. like um, uh, and for geeky fans out there, the, it looks like a face like Yafit from uh, the Orville. It kind of does. He looks like he's smiling. So uh, it it looks <laughs> and so we're I cut this off and I'm going to save it. One day it'll be a Christmas ornament because oh yeah, literally on Christmas Day I it was the lamest Christmas ever. My wife and I uh, and my son we spent the whole day working on flood mitigation. Yes. You know anyway, but so this little half inch gap in the course of um in the course of less than three three minutes it dumped a good six gallons of water mm. because i measured because what we did is as soon as it started leaking um we got trash cans poked a hole in the ceiling right. to relieve the water and right. it just started pouring out so folks if you ever get the situation get something like a trash can or something poke a hole in it with like maybe a phillips head screwdriver or something and, and let the water relieve itself so it's not spreading out and right. soaking all your rafters and everything like that and so um, basically I used the, um, shark bite and all that to fix it. However, the, the part that ties in with 30 years of stupid Alad is, um, I went up to the attic after all is said and done and I'm like, okay, I got to track this pipe down. Well, this is an attic space. I told you, I literally have never gone mm. up there. Well, I get back there about seven or eight feet and I see this water line sitting directly. It's literally a water line sitting on top of the rafters with no insulation around it at all, just yep. sitting there. And I'm like, well, obviously this isn't it because it would have burst. We've been in this house 20 years. It would have burst years ago. There's no way a water line with no insulation is not going to burst. Am I wrong, Alan? I mean, you just I, got lucky. I'm looking at it and I just ignored it. And I'm hunting, I'm pulling up insulation. I spent two hours looking for this water line. And my wife goes, are we sure this line isn't it? And I said, well, how could there be a water line? Anyway, the long and short of it was this line it was, it. was it. I started hunting around. I got one of those little mirrors and everything. Right. And sure enough, this crack was on the inside of a, a raft or whatever. Yes. And I'm like, 
if I ever meet the guy that, in fact, I put it on Facebook, I said, if I ever meet the guy that uh, installed our plumbing, I'm going to, you know, Punch anyway. him right in the mouth. But, yep. um, Alan, how, how is this possible? Somebody just ran a water line, didn't insulate it at all. So what are the dangers when you do that? Let's just say, I mean. Oh, I think I you got the, them covered right there. Um, well, again, here is And that includes a hot water line, too. They all need to be insulated. All right. Well, your hot water line is actually more dangerous than your cold water line. Yeah. Because hot water, A, freezes faster than cold water. Go figure. Yeah. Uh, but Is B, that true? I've yes, never believed no, that. No, that is true. Uh, the distance between the molecules allows the ice crystals to form faster. It is actually a, a time-proven, myth-busted kind of thing. I thought MythBusters said that wasn't... Okay, no, who cares? That's, I don't want to get sidetracked. But they'll all freeze eventually. They will with, all no, freeze yeah. if you put enough cold on them. Right. So here is, once again, aesthetics and convenience versus really thinking what could fail. Yeah. Again, once again, everything in your home will fail eventually. That wall socket will have to be replaced that knob is going to have to go. That piece of pipe is probably going to have to be repaired or replaced at some point. Um, back during the 50s and early 60s, That's we, had my a house lot of, yeah. we had a lot of, how should we say, well, the weather here just doesn't, doesn't get that bad mentality. So we didn't take lessons from further north. Let's say somebody in Nashville would have never done this. Yeah. But a builder from South Mississippi would certainly do this because our winters aren't that cold. And they probably said, well, I'm building this myself and I'll just remember to drip the pipe. I will say what that told me is we've been pretty diligent for the last 20 years about dripping the pipes when it gets cold enough. Right. But in this particular case. Because somehow it never case, froze. But, right, yeah. but in this particular case, you probably over the years because of your roof situation, you've had what I've called a cold jet. Mm, yeah. And you have probably frozen this pipe numerous times in the past. It just didn't burst. Right, yeah, because it does take some pressure to burst it. It so. takes quite a bit of pressure to burst it, and you'll notice it also didn't burst until it started warming up. Well, it probably split, but there's a form the of ice, ice there holding the water back. Kept so. the water back until that piece of ice actually gave way and then the water began spraying. Right. So you probably over the years have had a cold jet of air blowing on this pipe to cause weakness in it. Right. And this year, even though you got a beautiful brand new roof, mm -hmm. it's still because the pipe wasn't insulated, got cold enough to split the weakness. Yeah. It makes me think of a concept in a martial art that I practice called Aikido called Kuzushi which is the gradual erosion of your opponent's balance. <laughs> exactly. And so um, uh, the gradual erosion <laughs> of the pipe occurred just by these minor incidents that slowly added up to the boom. Well, then you have a big ceiling. event like this one. Yeah. And, you know, here it's kind of like, again, outside spigots. I promise you this spring, I, I would say probably 20% of the outside spigots in Memphis, Tennessee are going to need to be updated, replaced, because they're going to start leaking. Because of what we had Because we froze yeah. the little gasket, the little metal gasket in there, froze and got damaged, and now it's going to drip. Well, here's another, you know, so, we're always talking about detective work as a yes. homeowner. Okay, well, here's what I think the problem is, Alan. Uh, about three years ago, we got a new sink faucet in our kitchen. Right. Well, okay, when I when I let the pipes drip uh, before this big cold snap that, that came in, I, I feel like I did. So, in other words... Um, it's a single handle instead right. of having like a hot and cold faucet. Right. It's just, okay, 
So when I lifted it, I more or less had it in the middle. Well, apparently, when it's in the middle, you're barely it, getting any cold water, which I didn't correct. assume. It turns out with our particular faucet, you almost have to have it all, all the way to the, the way right, right before it opens up the cold water. And so I, I'm thinking I probably just didn't have it open enough. So you if you've got a, a faucet, you got to really understand how it works because sometimes you may feel yeah. like you're 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 doing it evenly, but you may not be. All right. So. Well, generally, a faucet, if you want to really want to think about it, is a water mixer. Um, yeah. Because you have this one cold especially. on one side, yeah. you have hot on the other, and you're adjusting the handles to the proper temperature mix. Mm -hmm. And water is always going to take the line of least resistance. So because if your hot water is producing a good steady constant pressure, which it usually is because yeah. the hot water tank is providing a buffer, your cold water may be a little more variable. So your cold water can lose in that situation. And in which case you may have had a pre-weakened pipe you had an exposed pipe during an extreme weather event, and that spot right there is where it happened to choose to fail. And um, I'm I'm uh, I'm shocked to to uh, admit that I'm not admitting anything. I'm just I'm shocked to have experienced this. I talked to several people over the last week that said, "Oh, we never drip our pipes. We never do whatever. We we've never had an accident." Well, your day is coming, my friend. It will. I, you better respect it will. the cold, especially here in the mid south, because it, it it can happen. And we should say. Alan, um, that if you, even if your pipes are froze, you keep the spigot open because it gives the, the, the pressure that builds up, go. it has to build, right. yeah, and, and the air pressure, it basically, I guess what causes the split is, uh, isn't it when you, you're closing the system, you're giving that stuff, you're, it's you're giving it nowhere to somewhere. go. So, so keep it open, let it, let it breathe basically. So, and the last part of this was, um, one of the reasons I like having a tent, you know, um, this was a good 25 foot, I'd say about a 25 foot run of just pure exposed pipe in my attic. So I took the 10 foot pipe and replaced that because I figured, well, there's probably a lot of other weakness there. And plus it gives you a little bit of wiggle room. I, replacing, I will say this, if you try to replace like a little five inch segment of a pipe with the shark bites, that's a little tricky. You need a little right. room to kind of move yeah. the pipe and I hate to say not bend it, but kind of flex it a little bit yeah so. there's a little give to the connections yes but also double check that the connections are perfectly tight and and all there i i would definitely go to youtube for this they, there's yeah, some good no tips drip. out there yeah. and also folks when you're doing this double check that your cat doesn't get into the attic too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah my cat uh victor decided thought, to help yeah he thought it would be great to get way back in the attic oh yeah. yeah so but anyway um gosh i wish we'd have given this advice uh, a, a couple weeks ago but but now we're telling you because more we're only at the beginning of winter so I would get these. Water all the, is your enemy, folks. And when you went to the big box store, these shark bites were the one of the quickest things to go. So oh, yeah. just get it now while you can. Maybe order it from Amazon. Just get a, <laughs> get a packet of <laughs> just, these. So, But, Alan, the pipe's all insulated. It's all sealed up. Everything's good, good now. And uh, But, folks, um, hopefully you're, you know, you're dealing with the, you're dealing with the fallout, you know. Well, once and, again, uh, our cautionary tales, check the pipes, look in your attic. Listen for hissing. Hissing yeah. is a great sound to listen for. And uh, let's double check that outside electrical. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're going to, I think this will be a continuing discussion, Alan, because oh, yes. like we say, we're only, we're only kicking off the winter. But uh, Alan, another, uh, another show, another episode of Tool Talk Radio is in the can. Uh, it's time to get out of here. So on behalf of my buddy, Alan Gilbreth and our pal Max over there behind the glass, I'm Joe Thorderson. Thanks for listening to Tool Talk Radio, and we'll see you next week.